All right, welcome to the Two Sons Podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody. We are going to be covering three new episodes today. An episode of Andor, an episode of House of the Dragon, an episode of The Rings of Power. All three of them will be coming out over the next couple of days. You guys know the drill before we get started. I really appreciate it if you guys would subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow all of our social media pages. I usually have a link in the description where I put, uh, it just goes to a link tree that has all of our feeds and socials and stuff. Um, We sincerely appreciate you guys supporting the show and it means a lot to us that you guys subscribe. Um, So, Andor, kind of moving on slowly still. Uh, We open up with, uh, with Cassian in his ship with Luthen and then basically debating his entry into this foray and he offers to drop him off and um, uh, then offers an alternative to help him with this big job. And I thought the first thing that stood out to me there is that one, Cassian is aware of the rebel activity around the galaxy. He specifically mm-hmm. mentions Sal Guerrera. He, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Saw Guerrera. He specifically mentions the Alliance, which is the Rebel Alliance, which becomes the largest rebel faction at one point, and the one that actually overthrows the Empire eventually. And he even mentions two additional rebel cells in that in that thing, and then basically sa- basically strongly hints that, I don't believe you guys can do this, right. so I'm not interested. Yeah, it's like a, a battle that cannot be won. Why mm-hmm. even start? Yeah. And, and then he proceeded to say, he's like, I've been in battles. And then Luthen's like, well, you're a cook. <laughs> yeah, you were a cook for 18 months and then you and you survived because you ran, which was funny because it was just like, it was just, Luthen, Luthen clearly did his homework before he went yeah. to pick up this guy. That was cool. Yeah, but then it, then it was weird because then later on he specifically mentioned that he was disposable, which is like this kind of uh, interesting dynamic because it reminds me of of Cassian when he kills that guy in the alleyway at right. the beginning of Rogue One. It's like it's like we're all in this together, you know, that this is a uh we have this ultimate goal, but at the end of the day, every one of us is is expendable at the yeah. at the expense of accomplishing the ultimate goal. It's exactly even, it's a general rebel philosophy too. And I I, I just finished the episode of uh from Adelon in uh season three of Rebels and mm. And it's because they're in some trouble because the Seventh Fleet shows up uh, over Adelon, and there's a couple of rebel cells there that are getting kind of messed up. And uh, they signal to Mon Mothma for help, and she's like, no, like we can't afford to ruin the entire rebellion for the sake of one or two cells. It's kind of like an interesting right. like cutthroat but necessary ideology within the rebellion that I thought was super interesting. For sure, and I think that was one way for Luthen to help Vel... Uh, be okay with with him just showing up with Cassian. It's like you can kill him if he yeah. screws up. Yeah. <laughs> if he's terrible, if he's not a good vibe, just slit his throat. <laughs> and I also thought it was interesting that the general dynamic where because um, we meet Mon Mothma mm-hmm. finally, and I want to talk a bunch oh, about so Mon cool. Mothma because she's one of my favorite characters. And the the thing with the the Mon Mothma thing is she's clearly helping to fund. Um, you know their operations, but at the same time, his operation is is geared towards stealing money, effectively from the empire. And he did right. kind of say like we can only forage so much or something like that in the in that scene. That was Vel, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, it seemed like they were kind of just scrounging, right? They don't have that many med packs. <laughs> they don't have enough pain meds to even give Cassian pain meds when they're when they're cleaning his arm. And then she essentially hinted at the fact that they're eating roots in order to survive out there. Oh, I missed that part. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. And it makes sense. Like they're 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 scrounging, and this is. She even seemed bothered that Cassian was going to end up getting paid as a right. result of this. Not only that, but two hundred bones. 200,000 200, space bones, bones bro 200,000 space bones that's a lot 
of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> and then the the dynamic of this pending mission is super interesting because it seems to me like the actual process of getting in and out of the factory, they seem to be relatively certain that they'll be able to pull it off. It's the TIE fighters that are nine, yeah. that are nine minutes away that are inevitably going to come in and blast. That's going to be cool. It, it, you know the wheels are going to fall off. Oh, right? for sure. And oh, it's yeah. kind of funny how they're planning. Uh, Luthen's <laughs> like, it's a really well-designed plan with people who, who are kind of like in the know. I can't remember ex- his exact verbiage. And then when they're going over the plan itself, they just have like this little model that yeah. that one guy had made and then nothing on the inside. And it's just like kind of like generalized. Like, okay, then we're going to exit gonna this little this tunnel. Door, we're going to come out of this door. <laughs> the guy's like, by the way, it's not to scale. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we'll see how, how um, well executed this plan can be. I like the I like the little details too, like them talking about the meteor shower that's caused by the planet. Oh, that's so cool! The planet in its natural orbit goes into effectively like a, a debris field. Yeah, and this debris like comes into the atmosphere and explodes and basically forms this beautiful uh, uh, shower. But at the yeah. same time, there's like an eye to that storm that they can like slip in and out of, which is super cool. And it makes sense. Cause then if it closes, then the tie fighters can't get out. Like, and then you're like, you, you kind of buy into the plan. Which, you buy which into I the plan cool. and you kind of buy into the magic of star Wars a little bit. Oh dude. Like th- we've, we've talked about how physics in star Wars is different than physics in, in our world. Uh-huh. And, and so when they started talking about that, I was very much so okay with it. I thought it was very cool. I thought this episode very much had the, this whole series so far to me has the magic of Star Wars. Yes, it's slow. Yes, they're taking forever to, to set up the storylines and the plot lines and the characters and blah, blah, blah. But like, it feels very Star Wars. It, it, it definitely looks like Star Wars. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, they've done a great job with the detail that they put into making the sets look like Star Wars and the way that people dress. Seeing Coruscant was so incredible and just seeing the orderly fashion of anything Empire, right? Dude. The, we've been exposed heavily through Thrawn, especially the original Th- Thrawn trilogy, yeah. and this show, and me rewatching Rebels. I feel like I'm just like getting a whole dose of like Empire, which is really yeah. cool because I actually really because like again, and this is the the like you th- we as kids were primarily exposed to the Sith lords that were in charge of the Empire and the brute force in the form of the Death Star and the massive fleets mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but like. We were the kind of fans that would appreciate the intricacies of the way they actually run the damn thing. Right. And, and really, it's just like a classic military hierarchy. And in the ISB, I think my, I believe that George Lucas's initial, or like original intention of the ISB was kind of like the SS with the Nazis. Because mm, yeah. like the SS with the Nazis, from what I, and I, I'm not a historian, so you guys can write in the comments if I'm like blatantly wrong about this. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure like one of their primary goals was to root out Jews that were in hiding. You know, and it kind of reminds you know the the guy, the head of the ISB, which I wonder if we'll meet Wolfie Wolfie Lauren at some point. Mm. He has he has gray hair when he shows up in live action, so I wonder if they could kind of pull off like a recasting oh, yeah. or something that looks kind of like him. But uh, uh, essentially, <clears throat> the ISB he goes he gives he gives a speech. And he's like, we are a healthcare provider. That was like, yeah, that was really it, interesting. We take. root out viruses, we root out pathogens. We're looking for sickness and yeah. we're trying to cut it out, which I thought was which I thought was cool because like, and the whole dynamic in his managerial style when he's dealing with the little squabbles between those two guys, like you're just like, this is cool. Like this is a well run operation here. I'm not even gonna lie. Like they may be the devil impersonated, but it's they're they're definitely. Although I I tend to believe that Palpatine's good. Remember? Oh, I know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone, Palpatine is not evil. So. <laughs> So, uh, we'll make an episode about that someday where Jason and I can just go to blows about whether or not Palpatine is evil or not. Um, no, I, I thought so. 
it, it was really cool to see the procedure type of the empire. And that's actually one of the things that we're seeing in um, the ascendancy books that we're reading. There's always a procedure to any large military organization that's successful. Yeah. Of course. So they definitely highlight that. And, like the and concept it, of standing orders versus given orders, exactly. chain of command, all this stuff. Well, yeah. and when you can be involved or not involved. Uh-huh. Right. Because exactly. that, was, that was part of the, the squabble. Like that jurisdiction. They had. Jurisdiction. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that was part of the squabble that they had. But they are nailing the empire. I think. Oh, dude. It's so good. It, it just just in general the uh uh the the t- the I appreciate taking the time to explain stuff like this in this type of yeah. dynamic. We're not in a rush here. Like right. we enjoy having an episode of Andor every Wednesday. They, it's not like Game of Thrones where every single episode has to be this like slam dunk home run narrative. Exactly. Thing, you know what I mean? Like we don't like, need a space battle every single episode. Yeah, exactly. It, I, I it it it's it's all it's all good. And so we. Uh, they send this uh, ISB official out to that uh, security corporation or whatever, yeah. and he basically calls them all idiots. I thought it was really interesting <laughs> that we saw one additional scene there, and it's the primary guy, the the gung-ho, overly zealous yeah. young officer going to see his mom. Right. And that was a really interesting encounter because she slaps him in the face and then she gives him a huge hug. Classic mom. Classic mom move. <laughs> classic, just a classic Coruscant mom. You know, yeah, it's very, <laughs> very typical of those Coruscantians. Did you pick up anything from? There's one other thing I picked up from that scene. Is there anything you can think of from that uh, that apartment scene mm-hmm. where she slaps him? Yes. No. What'd you pick up? So one of the standing, like, kind of, uh, like. Uh, cultural things about Coruscant is you are your wealth is kind of like uh, directly correlated with how high you are off the surface right and like it was kind of interesting to me because like we uh, we see the surface of Coruscant right and it's clear that that is like the utmost high-end wealthy people Mon Mothma's it, apartment is yeah oh it's dude incredible oh yeah well I want to get to that in a okay. second too because like the Mon Mothma dynamic is super interesting to me but like he goes down quite a bit into the Coruscant levels he and does. ends up at a place that seems vaguely middle class. Like yeah. it wasn't grungy at all. No. Like it was just kind of like, it reminded me of like a decent apartment complex, you know, That's kind of vibe. too. And so it's kind of interesting to think like in Coruscant, you've got like the, the a literal, like it's kind of like a cool metaphor. Or what, I don't even know if I'm using the right word there, but Symbol. like a yeah, symbolic kind of like gesture of class uh, of, of the class structure of, of, of Coruscant where it's like the super rich people are above the surface. The middle class is like some distance below the surface. And then like the poor people are like on the ground, right? Like in the darkness where Incredibly there's no Incredibly low. Yeah. yeah. And it gets worse and worse and worse and worse as, as you it go goes down. down. Yeah. It's, it's super, super interesting. So, uh, moving on to Mon Mothma. Yeah. Um, Incredible apartment. <laughs> dude. So, okay. So as we know, as I learned, uh, rewatching Rebels again, um, she eventually resigns her post as a senator and becomes essentially the leader of the, of the Rebel Alliance openly. Mm. Um, but before that, she's basically a senator. She's who's, playing her part. Yeah. And, you know, there was a couple things there. First of all, like, she's got money. And she's using it to fund the rebellion via Luthen. Right. But she's at this point playing the part of the good senator yeah. in public. Mm-hmm. And, it, and sh- But she's starting to feel things squeeze around her. A couple interesting details. You see new senators are showing up in the Senate every day that are effectively spies for the Empire. Yeah. Her driver just gets changed on her randomly, which is crazy. Right. Like, like there, it's clear that like they suspect... 
Yeah. But they're like trying to like figure out what she's doing and, and the cover that they use where they like it's like he's this artifact salesman and like I know, wasn't that bizarre? It so was he, so he cool, changes though. in his I know, I thought it was so interesting. So you, you kind of get that that feel from both Mon Mothma and from Luthen, right? So so they're living this double life and it was so interesting to see him like put on his wig and he does that weird little gesture thing and you could tell <laughs> you could tell that it took <laughs> All of his energy from him. Yeah. Because that is totally not who he is. Oh, of course not. Right. And he's literally been living this entire life as like an artifact artifact salesman. And can you imagine how freaking draining that would be to do Dude. that every single day to, to live in Coruscant with all those like stuck up that he, rich that people he that he hates yeah. and he's just selling relics of shit that he doesn't even care about. Oh my gosh, that'd be the worst. I looked around the room and I couldn't find any. Did you find any rel? I was, I was like, Luke would have been the perfect guy to ask this. Dude, as soon as that scene ended, I was like, I want to rewatch that so badly. And I looked at the clock and realized that was literally you didn't have enough time. the a minute before you got to my house gotcha. so i'm so bummed because i wanted to look at it so bad because i'm sure there are relics that are in there i'm, I'm sure of it i was looking around and um i i just just cursory glances and there was like a really interesting like set of armor almost like a birdman looking yeah, armor in the with back the spikes of the room off the head there was some stone tablets that had some like inscriptions and stuff on them but i didn't see anything that stood out to me as um uh as like like really significant at like least a relic the force, of the past you know yeah Although we we do need to talk about one relic, uh, and I do have one other. Mm. Well, let's do let's do one other dynamic with Mon Mothma first. Okay, like I think it's really interesting and what makes her character so cool because you know one of the things that I hate about modern society is the demonization of of wealth. Right now, like for the record, like there are rich people out there that are scumbags. There are rich people out there that got their money by being scumbags. There are rich people yeah. out there that 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 treat lesser people or I shouldn't say lesser people of lesser income yeah. uh, dero- in a derogatory manner. Yeah. I am with you on all of that, but there yeah. are also just hardworking people that have earned wealth and that are good people, you know, and that's apparently uh, John Cena has granted the most make a wish foundation wishes ever. Really? That's side cool. note. Side note. I'm a John Cena fan. I support yeah, it. John Cena. Plus he's got a pet Eagle. Does no, he really? No. Oh. <laughs> like, what? You haven't heard of The Peacemaker? That's oh, his new okay. show oh, on no, HBO. No, no. Of course I don't watch Does it. Does he really? <laughs> you could do that. <laughs> that a thing? All right. Just, get... just, just fishing net in Alaska. Just... <laughs> and they're like, who has it? John Cena? Uh, just, he can keep it. It's fine. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to take it away from John Cena. I don't know about you. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, uh, you can be wealthy and not be a, you, a bad person. Exactly. And what I liked about that is like, she's got all this wealth. She's got all this power, I mean, at least locally on Strangerilla, but like she's not happy. And more importantly, she sees the things that the Empire is doing and actively is trying to fight against it. I think it was a really interesting concept because like I think that um, I think that it's important to understand that one of the main reasons why uprisings are difficult is that there isn't enough funding behind it. There isn't enough power behind it. It's right. the common folk are led to believe that they are powerless. Yeah. You know, and then, and then it, it keeps them kind of underneath the and thumb. Then, you yeah. Know? And they're untrained. For example, we meet the, the rebel cell and the kid who's sleeping on the rock, I forget his name, the way he's holding his gun 
just exudes not being true. Like, amateur. Yeah. yeah, totally amateur. The fact that they, you know, don't they aren't supplied like we had talked about earlier, it just complete amateur. It was kind of funny too because they did a little shout out to to modern day rebels around the world and their blasters were eerily similar to AK-47. Oh yeah, I thought the same thing and they did that in in Rogue One too if you remember. Oh really? I didn't yeah. notice that. Yeah, so that, I thought that was a really cool or intriguing aspect. And again, just they are nailing the details with mm. this show. Yeah. That's a that's that's a pretty consistent theme that Disney's done with the Rebel concept is just under it like just like regardless of the ideologies and whether or not you agree with them, but that's a real thing that happens around the world in various yeah. capacities. And it, it, it's, I, I kind of like that personification of that within, within rebels. I think it's a, an interesting concept. Right. Um, we were breaking down Mon Mothma though. Um, what do you think, what do you think her ultimate relationship is with her husband? Because it, later on in star Wars universe, we don't see him ever. Yeah. Do you think they end up splitting in this show? I would guess yes. That's going to be a kind of a crazy predicament that really doesn't even matter or have huge bearing on the on the entire galaxy itself. But I would think that that's we see a dynamic of their relationship because they highlighted it just a little bit, and I would think that they split. That was her, her husband, right? Yeah, I picked up strong like he likes being the rich guy vibe. Yeah, exactly. And, and she I doesn't do, care. Th- there will eventually come a point in their relationship where Mon Mothma's uh, endeavors her clandestine endeavors will result in his lifestyle being disrupted. Right. And then he's going to become a threat. Yeah. That's, that's my guess. I think that's a really good guess. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I want to save my ricotta thing for the end. So was there anything else on your notes that you want to do? Um, this episode? The dynamic. So the dynamic, so Luthen seems like a complete hard ass. That's pretty cutthroat. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't think he is. I, I think, I think, to be a rebel, you have to be willing to sacrifice. You have to be willing to die. And uh, the one scene that really intrigued me was the kyber crystal scene when he has this kyber crystal that's super valued, valuable to him. He didn't know like where he was going to be or what his future was, so he gives it to Cassian, <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, this is worth a lot. I want it back." But if I don't, it's worth about 50K. Yeah, like if I die, you can get it for about <laughs> it 50K. Was so but it'll throat. always be worth way more to me. <laughs> yeah. So he mentions that it was a, a relic of the Rakatan uprising. And so I, I, you may know some about the Rakatan. No. They were a, an ancient race of aliens. Like we're talking like 30 plus thousand years before the Battle of Yavin. Um, <clears throat> from the planet Lehan, which makes an appearance in... Uh, uh, in the, um, I believe it's in the Bane series. I want to say, I, Le- I want to say Lehan is where that Sith Lord with the, um, with the, the animals that are combined with, uh, cybernetics. Oh, I remember those. I think, I think that was Lehan. I could be wrong about that, but, um, anyway, the Rakatan were a, uh, a alien race that was highly sensitive to the force and as a society completely turned to the dark side mm. and they built all of their technologies, on the power of the force. They invented hyperspace travel and they were effectively the first galactic empire. And it was the first time that the dark side of the force actually controlled the galaxy. They built something called the star forge, which was basically a force powered shipyard machine that uh, created ships incredibly rapidly. Their hyperspace technology was fueled by the force. They were an incredibly advanced force race that took over the galaxy. But they were so corrupted by the dark side of the force that they were essentially, they 
essentially only existed to conquer. Uh. They conquered races. They enslaved races. They uh, they uh, destroyed planets and terraformed them to fit their needs. Very they were they were sounds. exactly exactly. And what ends up happening is <clears throat> eventually. Uh, it, uh, one of it, according to Star Wars Legends, one of the uh, alien races that they subjugated ends up coming up with a, a virus that only infects the Rakatan. And what it does is it kills the vast majority of them, and then the rest of them leaves them insensitive to the Force. Wow. And then they slowly but surely get you know, kicked out of all of the, the, the areas of space. So essentially there's a rebellion, an uprising. Yeah. And so it's basically the first galactic empire and the first rebellion that overthrows it. Wow. And so I thought it was really cool that, 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 uh, that, uh, Kyber crystal effectively is the symbol to Luthen that this can be done. I see. Because the Rakatan empire was so, you know, domineering and so powerful yet they were subjugated from, from the inside with cunning and, 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 you know, huh. it was, I thought it was a really cool symbol. And then obviously anytime you see Kyber crystal, you're like, Kyber. <laughs> Kyber. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it? Well, so according to your lore, Star Wars lore, it's odd to me that that Kyber crystal was blue instead of red. Well, it was also blue mixed with white. Yeah. It was blue mixed with white. Yeah. But, oh. uh, any dark side Kyber crystal typically, typically is red. Because it's been essentially purged, correct? From what I understand, and there were brief interactions between the Rakatan uh, Empire, or what they called the Infinite Empire is what they called it. But there was a there was a few interactions between the Rakata and the Jedi or whatever the, before they, I don't know, spruced up their name a little bit, <laughs> and the Sith, uh, the actual Sith mainstream to their name on Korriban. Yeah. But from what I understand, that was back when they were using swords and stuff. So that's uh, so, cool. so I think the Kyber crystal was more uh, either like some sort of uh, popular, you know, uh, you energy know, source substance, or it could have been like what Kyber was used for in the lightsaber and everything. It focuses energy really well, yeah. so it could have been used for a million different things. And no. it was it was. Clearly, much larger than a lightsaber crystal. Right. It had the two colors thing. It had some symbols etched on it. So I think it yeah. had, maybe not on the symbols, but the point is, is like it's it was. I, I just thought it was a cool symbolism. Yeah. And I, I thought it was interesting when he said its value is fifty k, but it's worth much more to me. To me, it's Luthen's symbol of hope. It's basically yeah. his symbol of like this can be done. You yeah. I mean? That's an incredibly good pickup mm-hmm. and a good way to end it. All right, guys, that is all we have for today. As always, we sincerely appreciate your support. Keep your eye on the next couple of days. We will have episodes on House of the Dragon and Rings of Power coming out. Thanks a lot.